open your uh, copy of God's Word to Philippians. Last week we looked at chapter 1, verse 1. This morning I want us to move to verse 2. Let me read um, this portion of God's Word. Hear God's Word. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. To put it in our language, if I were writing scripture to a local congregation like us. David Roundtree, servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the saints at New Covenant, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When it comes to us as a congregation, it doesn't sound as awkward. It makes sense that God's people would be addressed by God this way because he's giving us his identity, our new identity in Christ. It is a glorious thing, a gracious thing. And we need to get um, the beauty of God greeting us uh, this morning in this text. I was in high school walking down the hall between classes with one of my best friends at the time. His name was Richard. It's important you remember his name. Richard and I were walking. And as we were walking, hall kind of cleared out. We must have been almost late for class. And so there's just about three of us in the hallway. And a girl, which was his girlfriend, came running up to us and handed him a note and took off. And I thought, well, that's was kind of awkward. What does it say? And so he opens the letter and the first two words, Dear John. Dear John. His name's Richard. This is not going to be good. Dear John is an idiom. Perhaps you've never gotten a Dear John letter. But it is an idiom which means we're done, we're through, no more dating, no more boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. That's not, that's not the kind of greeting Richard wanted that day. Very difficult to receive a greeting like that. I remember when texting came out and I thought to myself, I hate texting. Because, to me, it was too superficial. It was too shallow. They were promising us only 18 characters. And I was thinking to myself, there is absolutely no way you could say anything worthwhile in 18 characters. I was wrong. Texting is becoming the premier way of communication. And looking at a greeting like this, it's like, you can say a lot in a few words. You could say, dear John, and mean a lot. Or you could say, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And communicate a massive amount of good. So it doesn't take a lot of words to say something extremely important and significant. I told myself I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, especially with 
the number of college uh, guys and gals that are here this morning. I wasn't going to talk about dating, okay? But since I've already brought up Richard and Dear John and all of that, let me just say a word because I've already heard stories this week about boyfriend and girlfriend and how I got to have one and how I got to pursue one and how I don't have one and, and all of that. And let me just put it out there because it's not in the text. It's just fatherly advice, okay? Don't pursue a girlfriend or boyfriend. Don't. Scripture doesn't have you doing that. The Scripture has you pursuing a godly husband and a godly wife. Pursue a godly husband. Pursue a godly wife. But dating was not designed by God to be recreation. And too many people pursue relationships for the fun of it. For recreation. And they do end up hurting themselves and others greatly. You should be pursuing a godly husband. You should be pursuing a godly wife unless God's called you to singleness. But God doesn't call us to play with other people's bodies and lives as though that was just for the fun of it. So make sure what we're doing, uh, and if you're not ready to pursue a godly husband or a godly wife, then don't. That may mean I need to finish my degree. That may mean I need to get a job. That may mean I need to get a place to stay before I'm ready to pursue a godly husband or a godly wife. So put that out there. Pray and do life biblically. And then you can, let's get back to the text. Okay, that's enough. All right, Philippians, grace and peace. The intention here, what is, what is the intention of this text? God, I think, wants to communicate to us grace and peace. Grace to you through God our Father. Peace. Grace and peace through God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty significant words because I went to look them up other places, and guess what? Paul says the same thing seven more times. It's in Romans. It's in 1 Corinthians. It's in 2 Corinthians, it's in Galatians, it's in Ephesians, it's in 2 Thessalonians, it's in Philemon. Must be pretty significant if God wants to repeat the exact same words, for the most part, eight different times in Scripture. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What if the first words out of my mouth, I'm, you invite me over to lunch, uh, it's a college lunch, or it's... Uh, a family get together or it's a small group meeting and I walk through the door and everything just goes quiet and I say grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ and you're thinking here's Mr. Spiritual Howdy Doody it just, it just seems awkward grace to you from God our Father peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. It shouldn't be a spiritual howdy duty because these words are significant. God wouldn't be saying them over and over and over if they did not have importance and significance to us. Not trying to impress you by saying them. I don't think Paul was trying to impress the Philippians by saying them. He's not trying to impress anyone. What's he trying to do? As I, as I meditate on that, I think one of the, 
the things Paul was trying to do is be a blessing giver. Do you ever do that? When you know you're fixing to greet someone, do you ever ask God to let you be a blessing giver? Or you sit down to write a letter to the church. Whatever I do, let me start it, let me end it well by being a blessing giver. I want to give them something that would truly be a blessing. And you're not going to be able to give something of greater significance than grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the term grace is, is, is similar to the word greeting, and Paul uses greeting in several other places, several times in the book of Acts when he was writing to different churches there. He just used greetings. So he could have chosen a different word. He could have chosen something very common and ordinary for Philippi, but he doesn't. He chooses the word grace. Grace communicates more than greetings, hello. It communicates favor from God. I think it also communicates particularly to the Gentile audience, to the Greeks. Grace would have been a word they would have known. Grace and peace Peace, you know the word Hebrew word, shalom. That would have been a word the Hebrews would have really grabbed. So he's got both a Jewish and a Gentile audience. And he gives them both words that were significant words to them. Knowing that he's got a mixed church, grace and peace to you. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I think his desire was to dispense grace. It was more than, how are you doing? It was more than, what's up? I don't know how many times I've said, what's up? It's not real significant, is it? And I feel like i got to quit that more and more. I may only have a chance for a few words with you. A greeting might be all I get. And if I just give you, what's up? You're thinking, he doesn't care. I don't have to say. It doesn't matter. But grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ might communicate more. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter says it this way, and this kind of gripped me. First Peter doesn't use it, the phrase just like Paul did, but Peter's writing to a scattered group of saints that have been dispersed because they've really been run out of town because they're Christians. And notice the last phrase of verse 2. Peter, 1 Peter 1 says, May grace and peace, so there's our two words, but may grace and peace be multiplied to you. As saints, you're already recipients of grace and peace. But I want you to have more of it and more of it. I don't want to just add it to you. I want a multiplication process here. I want it to be multiplied to you over and over and over again. Um, Application, how can you and I be 
actively engaged in being blessing givers and uh, seeing God's grace and peace multiply to those that we get a chance to talk to. Um, here's the way it works in my life a lot of times. Um, when I'm going to visit someone, uh, say in the hospital or in the hospice house or at their home, that they're hurting. They're in pain. They may be dying. So this is a serious visit. This is not casual. You show up at somebody's hospital bed. You show up at hospice house bed. You show up at somebody's home that's in their dying bed. It's pretty serious. And, and, and when, I, when I'm in that situation... If I haven't already done it before I've left wherever I was to get there, by the time I get out of the car, I'm just flooded with the Spirit's thought, David, be prepared. Any word you say may be their last. This is significant time. And as, as I'm in that moment, I don't just pray. I'm begging God. God, somehow use me. Give me the words to say. Give me the presence of your spirit. I plead with you, let me be a vessel. I want to somehow dispense in great measure grace and peace. If I don't do anything else, that's all I want to do. I don't have to read the scriptures. I don't have to say the prayer. I don't have to do anything, but let me be a vessel of grace and peace. It may be grabbing a finger and weeping. It may be kneeling and praying. It may be opening the scriptures. It may be a hug. It may be a tear. But I want to multiply grace and peace to you. You understand what I'm saying? Have you ever been in that moment where God used you as a vessel? And you just see grace from God, our Father, come down out of heaven and flow to one of his chosen saints. And you're thinking, I can't make that happen. But it just did. And it, God used you in that moment. I think that's where Paul is here. And I think you and I can be there. We don't have to go through life thinking we have no significance. We are vessels of God. And we can intentionally be blessing givers. Pray for it. Beg God for it. Sometimes we just don't have the thought for it. I get it. Sometimes we don't have the time for it. I get it. But other times we do. And let's stop to have thought and have intentionality. Here's a time, here's a place where I might be the only one. Or I might be the last one. Lord, speak through me. Or just show up when I show them you, your word, 
someone committed to you. Paul is having that kind of experience here. It's a desire of his. Let me give you the desire expressed. Look at Colossians chapter 1, 28 and 29. Colossians 1. From this text, we get the, the mission or purpose statement of New Covenant School. I think it could easily have been Paul, the Apostle Paul's personal mission statement. Colossians 1, 28 and 29 say, Him we proclaim, speaking of Christ, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. There's the school's purpose statement that we may present every student complete in Christ. And he goes on, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul is saying, this is what I'm working at all the time with all the strength God gives me. What? I'm working all the time with all wisdom with all the strength God gives me to intentionally mature people in Christ, to give them a blessing, to give them grace and peace so that they're brought up in Christ. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4. He tells us all to have this Mindset in the use of our words. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Only such, so the only words that are to come out, only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Paul says, when you open your mouth, think about what you're about to say and think about the occasion. Give it some thought. What will bless those in the room or in the circle pertinent to the occasion you're in and then how can you say it? Speak such words that aren't corrupt, they're not slack, they're not superficial, they're words that will give the hearer grace. See, that's, that's the Paul of Philippians 1, when he says grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, that's, that's the way I like to speak. I like to speak in such a way that I am a vessel and the hearer gets grace from God and peace. Um, now, We, we heard just a minute ago, every member is a minister. Are you a member of the body of Christ? If you're a member of the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit's come into your life. He's given you gifts so you have ministry to do. As members of the body of Christ, we say, well, what can I do? Well, we all, most of us have a mouth. We have tongues. We can speak words. And if we can't speak them, we can text them. And we can email them. And we can talk them through devices to others. So we're always using words, and words are powerful. Our intention needs to be 
to use our words to give grace and peace to others. Now, not everybody's going to receive that. I get it. I give you a verse on that. Luke chapter 10, verse 5 and 6. You can say, hey, I tried that, David. It doesn't work. Maybe this is what the experience you had. Luke chapter 10, verse 5 and 6. Jesus speaking to his disciples says, Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. There are people who will receive grace and peace from you. There are others who will not. They have no receptive nature to it. God says, I understand that. That doesn't mean you should stop giving it. You give it. If they want to throw it back at you, fine. If they want to say, oh, that's just spiritual junk. I don't need that. Take it back. Continue to love them. Continue to seek to be gracious to them. Our job is not to do the job based on what others do. It's to do what God has called us to do. And our job is to give grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ to one another. With every word we speak, we need to be thinking, how can I use my words to give grace and to give peace? Now, let's get to the ingredients a little bit. Just, just what is this grace that we're talking about? What is this peace? Um, grace in our culture could just be charm. It could be just finesse. It could be agility. Um, you know, the person who rides a horse, the, the athlete who runs, the person who throws, they do it with such grace. The one who dances, the one who plays the violin, such grace. Uh, we can use the term that way, and we get it. But God's using it in a different way. It's not just a characteristic, but it is a favor from God that is not deserved by us, that God is speaking about. Uh, it's classically been defined as favor upon those who don't deserve it. That's grace in a whole different realm. And the peace, what's the peace? The peace could be just absence of conflict, right? Absence of war. Sure, but... It, it, it's different if the peace is not just worldly war, and it's different if the grace is not just grace in the world, but it's grace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that defines it differently. Grace from God. You know, I pray when I see people fighting. I pray for peace between them. I pray when I see people who don't treat one another nicely. They are not giving grace. The words out of their mouths do not build up. It's tearing down. And so I pray for those people to be at peace with one another. But more important, I should be praying, Lord, what they really, 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 really need is peace with you. And grace from you. Because if you are offending one another by not giving one another grace and peace, you've already offended God. It's not in your heart to be the vessel of God, to build up the people and teach the people with all wisdom in front of you. Your demeanor, your activities are tearing the image of 
the, the bearer of the image of God down. God wants us to be building one another up. So yes, by all means, think of uh, grace and peace between one another. But let's take it to the level Paul does, to the level of grace and peace from God. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 and 19. God's Word. All this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself, and He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God's given us a message. He says, the message is that I'm willing to come to you and not count your trespasses, your sins against you. And how can I possibly do that? Theologians call this the, um, the theology of double imputation. That it goes both ways. God not only imputes your sin to Christ, but he imputes Christ's righteousness to you. It's double imputation. He will give you his righteousness. In exchange, he will take your sin. He will give you his righteousness, take your sin upon himself. He said, that's good news. That's the ministry I've given you to share with folks. Hey, you know, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. But good news is God's willing to take our sin and credit it to his account, pay for it. But further than that, he's willing to take his righteous record, his righteous account, and give it to us so that now when he looks at us, he sees us as having his record, his righteousness. So he doesn't view us as those who are estranged from him, but now he sees us as united to one another because we're both righteous, he and I. That's reconciliation. We're now on the same page, living with one another with this beautiful righteousness of Christ. That's grace and peace given to us that we need to share with others. What do you want for people you meet? Philippians 1's a greeting, right? So you're just, you're just meeting somebody. You're just greeting them. What do you want for them? Say, well, you know, I really hadn't thought about it. Well, think about it. Is it not grace and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ? Would we not want that for everyone? How could that not be a good gift? To be reconciled with your creator. To be ready to see him at judgment. What a glorious gift to say, well, I'm, I'm fixing to step into judgment, but I have peace with God. I'm already reconciled. I have his righteousness. He has my sin already. What peace. What grace to be able to step into that moment. Um, 
we're praying for people from time to time, especially as um, school starts back up. We pray for people to be able to handle the pressures, the sexual temptations. We pray for them to not be estranged from one another. We pray for them to do good on the ball teams and track teams and all that kind of stuff. We pray all of those kinds of grace and peace. But what I'm asking is, do we, do we see more important is that we need to pray that they are reconciled to God. They have grace from God. They're at peace with God. That's what we really want. That's far more important we pray for our kids sometimes. I just, I, I, they just need to get this grade. They just need to get this grade. Lord, I'm praying they do well on this test. I get that. What I'm saying is don't pray those prayers without praying for grace and peace from God. Not just grace and peace in this world, but grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Far more Important. I say, what's up too often? That's what we're doing. Lord, I'm just, what's up? I, well, they need to do well on the test. They need more than that. They need to do well with God. They need grace. They need peace. And we need to think those ways more and more often. Um, think in terms of peace. Think in terms of grace. Uh, do you have grace and peace in your marriage? Do you have grace and peace in your employment? Do you have grace and peace in your environment? You say, well, yeah, I'm struggling with all those kind of things. More important, do you have grace and peace with God? Because if you have the latter, it reduces the anxiety. And it gives you ways to walk through this earth with joy and excitement. Uh, well, outline's gone. Doesn't matter. I want to talk with the third point, the initiator of grace. And I debated even dealing with it because so many of you are going to say, we already got that. We already know the answer. We know you're going to say God initiates the grace and peace. God's the initiator. But the majority of the world doesn't know that. I, I am thankful if you know that. I looked it up for the, the latest statistics. Latest statistics are, this is by our Barner Research Group, 80% of Americans, it's a pretty big majority, 80% of Americans believe the Christian message is God helps those who help themselves. 52% of practicing Christians believe that message is in the Bible. 52% of practicing Christians. Someone would say, I'm not just a Christian in name only. I live my faith. I rest on it. Say, I believe the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. The Bible does not say that. And what we're saying by that, that view is, I believe that I will get grace and peace if I do something for it. I got to do something first. I get God helps those who help themselves. And I want us to really come to grips that's the wrong message. 
That message is not what the scripture teaches. As a matter of fact, what the scripture teaches is that God helps those who cannot help themselves. God helps those who are incapable of helping themselves. We don't have ability to reach into heaven and pull down grace or pull down peace with God. Don't even have the ability to do such. We cannot do it. Ephesians 2 says, We are dead in our trespasses and sins. Before I was made alive together with Christ, I was dead. I was under the enormous wrath of God planted six feet or more under this wrath. God had to bust the earth open to give me grace. I'm dead in my trespasses and sins, and I'm unable to come out of deadness and make myself alive together with Christ. God, rich in his mercy, made me alive with Christ. I'm incapable of that. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We are on a path headed to judgment, to face God, face to face. He is holy without sin and cannot even look upon sin. So we, the sinner, are going fast as we can go to meet God. What does that mean? We are on a collision course. And we are going to one day face God face to face. I do not have the ability to withstand that crash. My sinfulness will be burned to smithereens for all eternity. We do are not capable of saying, hey, uh, uh, I'm sorry, could I have a little grace? Can we have a little peace? God says, no, not going to happen. Except in Christ. Are you alive in Christ? Has Christ come down from heaven? Has he taken your sin upon himself on the cross? Has he granted you his righteousness? Because if that doesn't happen, you won't survive. Your eternity is in the pits of hell under the wrath of God forever and ever and ever. We've got to get away from that notion that we just got to be good people and do certain things and God will help us. No. God doesn't help those who help themselves. He helps those who are in Christ. He helps those who trust Christ as their Lord and Savior. He helps those who are saints in Philippi, who are saints at New Covenant. And he gives to us grace and peace. And that's so significant. I asked myself this week, I said, how do I get more of that? How, how do I... How do I come to grips with the need 
for more and more grace and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And as I pondered that question, the Holy Spirit reminded me of occasions in the scripture where grace and peace is dispensed, and it's dispensed, it seems, in an environment or an atmosphere of worship. And I don't quite understand the corollary, but it seems that when the people of God worship, grace and peace is dispensed. And it goes the other way. When grace and peace show up and is, are dispensed, there's worship. It shows us the value of them. For example, when Christ came down, born of a virgin, just laid in a manger, an angel shows up to the shepherds. And you know the story in Luke chapter 2. And after the angel was speaking with the shepherds, it says a whole heavenly host showed up. And they said to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and peace. Peace to men with whom God is pleased. They begin to worship glory, the significance, the value, the weightiness of God in heaven coming to dispense peace on earth with God's people. A reconciliation between God and man was occurring. Christ had been born and laid in a manger. And if we don't have enough sense to do it, this heavenly host stands up and says, Glory. Glory to God. Grace and peace from God our Father has showed up. Glory to God. And just a few days later, Joseph and Mary, mom and dad, are bringing the baby Jesus into the temple in their arms. And as they walk into the temple, there's an old man there, probably got white hair and looks real attractive, you know? And they walk in, and probably in our vernacular, Simeon, who had been praying that God would somehow reconcile himself to him, said, I need a Savior, I need a Savior, I need a Savior. And Joseph and Mary show up, and Joseph, excuse me, Simeon probably says, shut up. Is it? Could it be? It is. And he reaches for the baby. And Joseph and Mary put baby Jesus in Simeon's arms. And Simeon says, Now your servant can depart in peace. Because now I have seen salvation. Now I've seen my Savior. Now I have seen Jesus. Now I have peace. Now I have grace from God. Do you get it? Saying to someone, grace 
and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's saying, I want you to see Jesus. I want you to have what I have. I want you to have the joy of being able to depart this earth right now and be at peace and be surrounded with grace. Let's pray together. Father, as we think of the significance of grace and peace, what an application. We all greet people every day. This should be on our tongues. This should be in our thoughts. This should be in our lives. That we should be the greeters on earth for heaven. Dispensing vessels of your house. Giving out grace and peace. There are those in this room who need it. Perhaps some who long for it. Father, they can't get it, but may they receive it today because you're a gracious God. And you've come to us to give us Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Father, grant grace and peace to those who are without in this room. Grant it to them now. Grant it to our extended family in such need. Grant it to greet to people we're going to greet this week. Use us, O Lord, as your ambassadors, your ministers of reconciliation. For we ask in Jesus' name. And, O Lord, let us not neglect worship. Too often we take it as a routine. May we see such cause. We cannot not worship our God and our Savior. For we ask in Christ's name, amen.